The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. I'm Kim Commando, America's Digital Goddess, and you're listening to the Secrets of Technology podcast. Enjoy. You're listening to the Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello there. And Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew. Hey there, how's it going? Very good, thanks. We're laughing because Pat keeps doing <laughs> Father Andrew's line. Father Andrew does hello there. She's supposed to do the other one. I'm sorry. Ask for him first next I, time. I will, I will start asking for him first. I was doing the ladies first, but uh, I, will, uh, I will ask for him first. <laughs> uh, it's not that scripted, folks, but you know we all have our, our, our ways of it's, talking. It's the Obi-Wan Kenobi in me that wants to say that, because I yes. don't do that on The Secrets of Star Wars, because that's, uh, that's Mike Creevy. Mike Creevy's line. Yes, yes. <laughs> so. All right. But before we get into things, I want to tell you folks about another show on the network that I'm sure you will enjoy. It's Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, and uh, it is a popular, great sh- uh, show. You have to check it out. We've ha- been doing some great things with it. It's at sqpn.com slash mysterious or wherever you find fine podcasts. I also want to tell you that we now have uh, a whole bunch of new SQPN merchandise, shirts, mugs, stickers, all this great stuff for a bunch of our shows. We don't have one for Secrets of Tech yet. I'll have to think of what we can do for a design for Secrets of Tech. That could be fun. Uh, But for a bunch of our other shows, go check that out. SQPN.com slash merch. They're flying off the shelves. People are loving them. They're great designs by Micah Murphy of the uh, Catholic comic uh, Thy Geekdom Come. He did a great job. So thank you, Micah. Mm -hmm. I have two on the way. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. I have a whole set of stickers to put on my uh, laptop cover. I got so. Oh, that's, nice! That's yeah, my perfect plan. use for those. Yep. All right. Before we get into our main topic, I did want to mention something that happened uh, this week, uh, a tech thing, which is that Apple released iOS and iPadOS fifteen point four, and macOS Monterey twelve point. I think it's one. I don't know. It's twelve point something, but whatever the latest one is. But the big deal for that is, is that it, they finally have rolled out their much long promised feature called Universal Control. Now, what Universal Control does is if you have an iPad and a Mac, both running of recent vintage, both running these operating systems, you can have your mouse and keyboard seamlessly control both devices. Um, So you've already been able to do something called Sidecar, which is turn your iPad into a second monitor or another monitor for your Mac. But this is different, whereas like if, uh, if you turn the feature on, you, if you slide the trackpad pointer to the edge of the screen, it will jump to the iPad, uh, the iPad screen, and the iPad's still running its own apps. And then you can now use it like a trackpad on the iPad and open up apps. You can use your keyboard to type. If you've got stuff on the clipboard, that clipboard will now paste into the iPad apps, all that sort of stuff. It is so good, so seamless. In fact, someone was saying online, I think it was Andy Anatko, uh, was saying on Twitter that he had it turned off at one point, and the but the Mac knew that he'd had it on before. So when he went to scroll over there, 
not forgetting that he turned it off, it gave this little push and tab thing that popped up kind of saying, hey, you know, buddy, you know, it's off right now, but you could if you turned it back on. I mean, it's just so well thought out. It's still beta. It's not perfect yet, but I haven't run into any problems yet. So uh, I'm really loving it. So I've I've now been keeping my iPad open next next to me here, and I'm using it sort of as like a control station or not a communication station. I've got like Discord open on half the screen, Twitter on the other half. I may do like a slide over of of my mail client even at some point or something like that, just to have another place for that. So uh, if you ha- if you've got a relatively relatively recent anything that pretty much almost any iPad that can run 15.4 at this point, pretty sure. And uh, any Mac that can run Monterey, I think. I don't know if it's Silicon Macs only. Now I'd have to look that up again. I, di- I didn't look it up. But uh, check it out. See if you can run it and uh, try it out because it's been really great. All right. So uh, enough of that. And let's get into our topic, our main topic for today, which is uh, about search engines. Uh, we, a lot of us don't think think much about what search engine we use. We use whatever our browser opens up to, for which for most of us is Google, right? Uh, Safari comes preset to Google. Microsoft Edge comes preset to Bing. Um, but pretty much that, you know, you, most of us use whatever it's the preset is. But some people say, you know, I don't like the fact that Google gets all this information about me from my searches. I want something more private. And for a long time, the privacy-focused one that people went to was DuckDuckGo. Um, and they're very good about privacy. They We've talked about them before, and I think it's been a pick of the week in the past, about how they, they protect your privacy. Uh, but something happened this week where DuckDuckGo announced that they're going to start downranking sites associated with Russian disinformation. And downranking means when you do a search, uh, they... They have an internal system that says it, it, it has to decide which uh, sites to return for your search at the top. It's going to put them in an, in, in an order. And how does it decide that? Well, it decides it based on reliability, uh, the relevance to your search, all this stuff like that. And getting stuff on the front page of the search is a big deal. And people spend millions of dollars doing that. Uh, well, DuckDuckGo said they're going to downright rank sites associated with Russian disinformation related to the Kremlin's invasion of Ukraine. And that sounds like a good thing, but a lot of people were upset because they said, well, that's not why I use DuckDuckGo. I don't want you to be deciding for me what I should see. I want you to just give me the results. Now, DuckDuckGo has a point where they've responded saying, we already rank things for you like i just said you know they they have to put them in some order and so this is just part of it they they're incorporating uh, knowledge of russian disinformation sites like the the russian media like sputnik not sputnik pravda no sputnik is one of them actually it's called sputnik uh russia today a couple others like that that are russian owned that they are down ranking when it comes to information searches so first, what do y'all think of this? Is this a big deal? Do we is is DuckDuckGo doing something that bothers you, or is this a laudable thing that they're doing? What do you think, Father? In principle, I don't have I don't have an issue with it. I would I would love to have my search results kind of curated on what's the most reliable, um, and then I would go with those. The I think the the problem becomes 
how do you determine what's reliable and what's not? Um, even if it's coming from, a, say, an unreliable source, it could actually be giving true information. Um, you know, I so like in principle, I I don't I don't mind it at all. I mean, I think if you go to a search engine, you have to expect a certain amount of that. And um, and I guess and you're using DuckDuckGo or people are using DuckDuckGo more for privacy, which I, I don't think they change their privacy privacy policy. So they're still not tracking you. They're still not doing any of that. They're just, you know, tweaking some of these uh, results. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so it wouldn't it be nice if we could go to any search engine and just have only reliable sources show up like I, that, that seems absolutely like <laughs> right. The, the, the golden standard, but of course that's not, that's not reality. Um, so yeah, in principle, I'm not opposed to it. It's just, how does it practically fall out? You know, you have to trust DuckDuckGo to choose what's reliable and what's not. Okay. And I think that's what people are having issues with too. Yep. Pat? Well, I'm thinking about other things that uh, get screened out of search engine results. And like there is things that are spammy or things that are known scams or things that are, uh, anti, you know, uh, a site that hosts uh, malware. Those things are already being screened out. So if you said disinformation is basically lying and it's a scam, I guess I don't see that much difference there, but it is the first one we've seen that has been politically based, not just malicious based. Well, it, they do that with vaccine disinformation, too, I think, on some of the search engines. They, if it's really blatantly wrong, they don't show it to you. I think that's the, the that's where people are worried is the is the what. What gets? How do you label something disinformation? So you know, a scam or malware is clearly a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to politics, we've seen. I think what people are reacting to is like Facebook and Twitter, where they sometimes label things as hate speech or disinformation. That's a difference of opinion or uh, a, a difference of like this is not actually settled science. For instance, uh, scientific disagreements and. Uh, political disagreements or ideological or social disagreements, those things being labeled as disinformation when it's just I have a different opinion of 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 the on this. So th I think that's what people are reacting to uh, out of out of all that context. This is not a big deal. But within the context, I think it's people are worried that this is the first step. Uh, I I know I know about the slippery slope or the camel's nose under the tent flap and all that sort of stuff uh, is is it. Is real can be real, but I think sometimes we can also take it too far. We can leap too quickly. I think this is a case of let's just I, watch it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with this. I'm not going to change what I you know that I use DuckDuckGo as my default search engine. I'm not sure I'm going to change that based on this, but it certainly makes me want to keep an eye on what DuckDuckGo does in the future. Well, and that's uh, at least, you know, if, if that is a, a concern, there are multiple other options out there. Yes. I mean, there is Google, there is Bing, there is, you know, other search engines, you know, so if, if and, and I think we should be worried about, I mean, not to the extent of like <laughs> staying up at night worrying about it, but we we do want to be careful in, in following a narrative that that someone else is just kind of feeding us and they, they could be curated in this in, in search results or Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. You know, but with all the different ways to get information, you can you can fairly easily in, in the way things are set up now find both sides of the issues. 
Yes, yes. And you make a good point. Is like there are you we have options. There is not just one or two search engines out there. There are uh, multiple ones and and even perhaps ones that might be better than uh, uh, Google and uh DuckDuckGo for whatever purposes we want. And so that's what I wanted to bring up now is you know, what some of the options are. Um one of the ones that a lot of people mention is Brave. So Brave is a is a browser. It's a, a Mozilla-based browser, I think. Uh, it's, uh, no, it's still based on Chromium. Oh, Chrome, right, right, Chromium. I, 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 sorry, that I misspoke. Uh, it's a Chromium-based browser, but it's. I thought. I think it was from some of the people from the Mozilla project originally who left to to, to start to start a new browser separate from Mozilla and and uh, Firefox. But in any case, however, it started is it's a very privacy-focused browser. It doesn't have a lot. It, it it blocks a lot of the, it can block a lot of the tracking sorts of stuff. And they've added a new Brave search engine. Uh, so in the past, uh, the Brave, it was defaulting to Google as the default search engine, but they've now set up their own Brave search engine. And it's, as they say, is even more private than before. And they've it's set up, it's built to be private. They're, 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 their business model is to not collect information from you. Google's business model is to collect information about your searches, and so uh, this is a way to 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 get give people an alternative. So you can uh, it's available in by default in the Brave browser, but you can also go to search.brave.com uh, as your you know to do searches. I don't think that most of the major browsers like Safari there's a in the settings you can choose your search engine but i'm pretty sure that safari is not yet doing that uh although it might in the future safari safari allows you to choose google yahoo bing DuckDuckGo, and ecosia i don't know if i'm pronouncing that one right oh ecosia yeah 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 um that's where they plant a tree for all the searches that get done right right it's a way yeah it's a uh, sort of a green search engine so, so this Brave is it's a new one. Um, they're also doing this, like Brave is starting Brave Talk, which is sort of like a Google Meet competitor, or a Zoom competitor, and they're doing lots of things like that. They're currently ad free, but they will they say that it will soon be ad supported. But you will also be able to buy an ad free premium version. So, um, they got to pay to keep the lights on somehow. And basically, if you're not paying, you're the you're the the product. Is the old saying. Is there others that you guys like, uh, Pat? Is, is there one that you like to use with your clients? Um, well, I'm not saying that I use it, but I have a lot of people for whom privacy is an issue, and a lot of them are using StartPage uh, because one of the things that Bing and um, other browsers do is they're not using Google, and Google has very accurate search results for a lot of people. And so uh, StartPage actually uses the Google search, but they, they hide the stuff and filter out the stuff, and Google doesn't get the, the, the tracking information. So, But it is, it's built upon the Google uh, algorithms. I mean, it's, it's using those same algorithms. Um, I don't know how they do it, but that's what – because I, li- I know myself, when I go to Bing and I type in something, I almost never find what I'm looking for. Same thing with Yahoo. I just don't get the results that get me what I want. Maybe because I'm so used to Google, I know how to search, you know. But um, so that's that's the biggest one uh, my folks are using. 
Yeah, that's the thing is what it does is it 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 will do it basically does a Google search, but it strips out your IP address and any other cookies or anything else that Google could scrape to, you know, to build a profile of you in your searches, which you know, it's fun. It's interesting. In fact, do this as an experiment sometime. Find something that you usually search for in an air in an area that you usually search, and do a search on Google.com, and then do the same search through either DuckDuckGo or Start Page, and see how the results differ. And you can see how that how Google is shaping the results it delivers to what it thinks you want, which can be good. You know, if if it's filtering, if it's actually filtering out. The, the 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 detritus the stuff that isn't relevant to you but it could also be hiding stuff not not intentionally but it could also be preventing you from seeing other serendipitous search results you know it that it's a it's a choice that they're making in a dial that they're turning and that you're not in control of unless you do one a search engine you like use a search engine that sort of strips all that out um, I know that DuckDuckGo, you can also do, you can search DuckDuckGo and search their index. You can also search uh, Google using DuckDuckGo and stripping out all of that identifying information by, if you go to DuckDuckGo and you type in the search uh, bar, whatever your search is, and then you do uh, exclamation point G, it returns a Google, an anonymized Google search. I did not know that. Thank you. Yeah. And then you could do sub searches. On that. So if I often do uh, uh, exclamation point GI and that it does a Google image search. And there are a number of uh, they call it the, the exclamation point in programming is called a bang. So there's a number of bang searches that are possible. GM is a Google map search. G, so, you know, you can figure it out as, you know, whatever the, the letter is for whatever you're, part of Google you're searching. Uh, you can do YouTube searches the same way. So it strips out the strips it out and makes it private. So that's an, another nice uh, feature that you can do. Um, yeah, and like we said, uh, Bing is not the thing either. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I'm Susie in tonight. Um, it you know it's I think that we have a, we'll have a link to a tech radar review of the Bing search engine, which basically says eh, it's okay. You know it it's not great, and it's really. You know, most useful if you're a Microsoft Edge user and it, it hooks into that. And the privacy features that are there are really only useful if you have a Microsoft account. And even then, they're somewhat minimal. Um, any other search engine ideas? Well, you mentioned the Ecosia, and I have a few clients that use that because they're very green-oriented, very, very uh, world-oriented uh, in terms of that. And then I've got um, there's been a couple of other minor ones that people have used that I I look at and I think uh oh this, they're going to some bad website and then I get looking no it's really okay it's just that I'm not familiar with it okay yeah how about you father any others that you okay I remember Ask Jeeves back in the day <laughs> Ask Jeeves yes yeah. I don't even I don't even know if it's still out there there is an Ask but it's very spammy. Very <laughs> so I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, no, ask don't ask know. Jeeves anymore. <laughs> yeah, what was the one? It was the big search engine back in the day. It was like Alta Vista. Alta was the very Vista. first one. Mm. Yeah, I mean they were the thing. It's just amazing how you know something can come in like Google. Uh, okay, it's time for the um, old man of the internet uh, tales to to come uh, to, to tell. Uh, I remember. To tell, yeah, I remember back in the day when I would go online and go to the Yahoo new pages page and look at all the new pages on the internet today. 
yeah. <laughs> that was when the internet was quite small. <laughs> it was it was wild. <laughs> All right. So those it and if listeners, if you have any search engines that you use that you particularly like or uh, search privacy related or anti anti censorship search related ideas or tips, we would love to hear from you. You can send them to us at technology at sqpn.com. Let's uh, now turn to our thanks for our patrons. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Seth N., August W., Clint V., Allison H., and Jeremiah N. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, let's look at our headlines. Our first headline is a, a bit of a follow-up to last time. Last week we talked about, I think it was last week or in, or last week, two weeks ago, It's uh, we talked about how the Federal Reserve had issued a report on cryptocurrency or on a federal digital dollar, a federal cryptocurrency that uh, some have proposed, and uh, which was basically... Uh, let's look at it some more. <laughs> Very conservative approach. Well, this one is uh, about the president, Biden, issuing an executive order related to cryptocurrencies. And there was a big to do over it at first. And then it kind of came out that it's not much. Uh, so what he did was he basically said uh, he wants uh, all all these different parts of the government to produce reports on digital currencies and proposed new regulations, and uh, he it and it listed the risks and benefits of crypto, and um, some people were kind of excited by that because it, because they were expecting much more of say a crackdown on crypto, and others were disappointed because they wanted more of a crackdown on it. What do you all think of this story and what it uh, outlines? Any particular things stand out to you in this? Uh... Uh, basically, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you know, this is just saying, you know, how do you think this is going to affect you, this branch of government? And so I don't really get excited about that, except that maybe there's an opening that it could either, you know, say, yes, we think we can control one and we're we're going to put one out there or the opposite. We think it's just a wild west and we're going to shut it down because, you know, we think that this could be misused. I, I really don't have any great feelings on it one way or another. I'm not buying stock in Bitcoin or anything like that. <laughs> I think um, I think regulation is coming one way or the other, and it's just a matter of how much regulation. And I think the industry recognizes that the that regulation is coming. Uh, one of the things I found surprising was that national security and criminal uh, el- you know, um, criminal elements, not criminal elements, uh, crime fighting parts of the government, law enforcement is what I'm trying to say, parts of the government do not want to crack down on crypto because they find it's easier to trace than cash. Wow. Um, which sure. is interesting because sure. that's that wasn't always the case. In fact, the whole idea of crypto is that yeah, it's supposed to be it. harder to trace. But yeah. it but it turns out that um in I've seen a few recent stories about how the law enforcement has been able to track some transactions that, you know, some of these uh, stolen Big stolen wallets, crypto wallets, and that sort of stuff. They've been able to track some of these transactions and pull the money back and that sort of thing. So they've they've developed tools for following the money, which not surprising, I guess. Um, so that was one surprising bit from uh, for me. So 
I uh, full disclosure, I own some crypto, not much, you know, a few hundred. I think it's well less than it used to be <laughs> because the crypto market has been falling. But I don't know, like fourteen hundred dollars all to, all told, and that that's all. Um, I didn't put fourteen hundred in. That's like. I put like maybe a hundred bucks in over the course of the whole time. Uh, that's all um, accumulation um, on speculation. Just I put it in just for fun. I, I'm very interested in cryptocurrency, not for the crazy NFT stuff, but because of what it might mean for uh, how it could affect social justice, how it could affect how we help people moving money into places where more easily to help people as opposed to the more traditional banking means and uh, what it might mean for us as a church and as charities to, to, to use it. So I'm just curious. I think it would have to get a lot simpler. I, I agree. I, I like the, the, the learning threshold for me is way too high for me even to even want to like <laughs> jump into that realm of, of things. It's too easy to make a mistake and lose a bunch of money. I, uh, I, I, joined a an app a while ago that gave like free um uh, this free crypto this new cryptocurrency that was that they had just started and um it had grown it was like worth like a thousand dollars or something like that like i should move that into my regular coinbase wallet and i mistyped it or something and it went nowhere gone somebody's somebody got a thousand dollars yeah, and uh, I mean, it was never my money really to begin with, so I don't really, I'm not too worried about it. But you know, it's too easy to make a mistake like that and lose a bunch of money. So you're right; it does have to get a lot more consumer friendly. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's move on to our next headline then, and talk about this one. Uh, this headline says uh, this dystopic TikTok trend demands Amazon workers dance for surveillance cameras, which sounds very negative, but. Okay, so what it is is that there's been this trend of people, they have like their video doorbell and they have Amazon drivers coming to deliver things. And when the driver shows up, people will ask the driver to do a dance for the video or do something fun. And the article kind of takes it as uh, sacrificing the dignity of the workers, making them dance for their masters. And, you know, because they have these low paying jobs. And I'm thinking they don't have to dance right <laughs> like well there was something in the article that mentioned that the, the workers were worried that if they didn't do it they'd get dinged you know in terms of their responsiveness to customers that they could leave a negative review yes with the, mm-hmm. yeah on that the they would delivery. get and that could affect their job okay all right what and do you I kind of fall in that camp <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my issue with, with it is is well, for one, yeah, it's 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 immoral to force someone to do that if they don't want to. Now, there are really funny ones where, like, if, you know, you, people do it just to, to kind of have fun. And, okay, there's nothing ultimately wrong with that. But the, what, what I what irritates me about it is, like, yeah, if you're kind of forcing someone to do this and then and then basically taking advantage of them to post that on your TikTok, you know, to, to get views and to essentially, I mean, yeah, Monetize make fun it. of people if they if they, you know, are dancing really weird or whatever. Or even if they're good, I mean, it's still like they're posting these videos of these people without their consent. Yeah, that's true. And that's that's actually one of the the questions surrounding the video doorbells in general is, you know, it's one thing to have a video doorbell in order to, to uh, you know, surveillance camera, essentially, of your front door. I mean, we've had surveillance cameras on buildings for alarm systems and that sort of stuff for a long time. 
but um but now it's so easy to post these videos online and what are the implications of for pri- for people's privacy it's like do you, do you you know if i go to your front door am i giving you permission to post my image online i mean sure it's sort of in public or i'm or i'm on your property so there's sort of an implicit but yeah is but whether it's illegal or not, is it the right thing to do or not? And uh, well, and I've yeah. seen some stuff on Nextdoor where people are posting stuff, you know, of of a child uh, coming up and ringing the doorbell and running away or things like that. And they're, you know, they're blowing them out of proportion, talking, you know, t- bit talking about them being juvenile delinquents or we got to watch for this kid or you know, and that's that is wrong. That's just flat out wrong. I, I mean, if I caught my kid doing Ding Dong Dash, I would, you know. <laughs> I would prevent them from doing it. But yeah, it's you don't you don't put it out there for the world to see. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, you know, calling for revenge or that sort of stuff. That's true. That's true. It, I, yeah. I mean, frankly, I think a lot of these TikTok trends are just out of control just to begin with. But I'm not I'm not really I, I wouldn't. It's not something I would do. And like, I wouldn't ask someone to do, frankly. and. I would not do it if I asked, you know, if I were a, a driver, I'd be like, yep, sure. Here's your package. <laughs> Just be glad it's here. Um, so. Well, and I can understand wanting to have a little fun and enjoyable. You know, I, I can remember a family member who used to ask her customers to sing to them, you know, when they got their, their, their coffee. And it was just a kind of a lighthearted issue that if they didn't want to sing, they didn't sing, you know, no problem. But you know this is kind of coercion. It's sound or yeah. leaning toward that. Yeah. All right. So our next headline is about this dad who I, I have a lot of sympathy for. <laughs> so this guy in France, he just his kids were would not get off the 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 screens, would not get off their phones or their iPads or their computers or something, and he needed he wanted to take some drastic action and what he ended up doing was nuking his whole town's internet connection <laughs> so <laughs> i'm sorry had to laugh so what he was doing is he bought a jammer a a multi-wave band jammer so he's basically he's jamming the the, the radio waves that he thought he was jamming them in his house but in but what he it was the what he bought was way too powerful and was jamming half the town between the hours of uh uh he said he only wanted to cut off the, the connectivity to his house between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. Um, but it just, it it was just too powerful. It was knocking everybody out. And now he faces up to six months in jail and a fine of 30,000 bucks because multi-wave band jammers are illegal in France, just like they are in the U.S., by the way. So don't, 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 don't do get it. any <laughs> ideas. Um, yeah. So what do you, what do y'all think of this one? Uh, yeah. Why didn't he just lock down his router? There are there are there are parental controls and routers, and you know there there's unless this was a citywide to... a citywide WAN you know wide area net or something that you or know. or they had phones and were good getting on um, the cellular, cellular connection would be the other thing, but but yeah, okay. let's talk the, about the, yeah. <laughs> I guess the other thing that I would have thought about would be like if I was that kid growing up. My parents would have just taken the phone away from me and said, "Okay, the phone is in is in our bedroom, and you can't get it until 
tomorrow after school. Exactly. Well, this, this is the, I was going to say, let's talk about some of the ways that people can actually deal with this. Like, so there are, as you mentioned, there are routers where you can have parental controls at the, at the router. So I have an Eero system and I can set up profiles. I have profiles for the younger kids, profiles for the teens. I even have a profile for smart home devices to segregate them off into their own little section so they can't phone home. Uh, Just if, as long as you have... don't have something set up for your wife. <laughs> no, I would never do that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, oh, that's a, that just gives me bad, <laughs> bad April 1st ideas. Anyway, um, she doesn't listen to this, so I'm, I'm safe. Uh, so, you can set up profiles that will, and you can have turn off the internet connection at a particular time. You can set up uh, on, I know on iOS and on Mac, you can set up uh, parental controls and you can on Google. Google has them too. Uh, I'm sure Windows also has parental controls that you can, can set up. But like I mentioned, if they have a phone that has a cellular connection, they might be able to get around that. In which case, um, like you said, Father, like the all devices, like you, you could be as the parents say, all phones and iPads and computers have to be out here in the kitchen on the like have a charging station out there and everything charges here every night. This is one of the things we do. I, the, like, in fact, our kids have Bluetooth headphones that they listen to audiobooks. They can listen to them in their bed. Our house is not that big, so this depends on the size of your house. But they can like listen to their books from their Kindle, for instance. My son listens to, oh, to it on his Kindle yeah. from the other room. Well, you know, while it's out here, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with the Kindle being in his room because there's not much you can do with that. But like, uh, if a, if it's a phone or something like that, so that's my suggestion. Don't, don't jam your town. <laughs> it, it's the typical thing of of punish everybody instead of uh, or punish everything instead of looking for the some way to to to, to more surgically take yeah. care of the problem using a sledgehammer to hammer the. Yeah, I. I, I want to throw out one more tech recommendation. Um, there is a, um, I think it's basically a router, but Circle. Um, it used to be, um, I think through Disney, but but that's another another router level that you can get and create profiles for your kids and limit, uh, you know, content and limit limit times. But I I I agree. I think the bigger the bigger issue is just more about how do you how do you foster those values as a family and how do you teach those as parents and how do you model that. And, you know, because if, if the kids just kind of run wild with it all, they're going to find ways around the router no matter what, you know. So it's yeah, I, I think it would be better to 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 foster like, OK, there's going to be down like no screen time between, you know, 8 p.m. when it's bedtime and, you know, after school the next day or. Um, and you have con yeah, you have consequences for failure to obey right. the rules and and communication between what the expectations are and what what they where they should be able to do. I know we used to have a lot of problems with parents who wanted to basically uh, some of the parental controls were quite harsh. They didn't want the kid to know about them. And so, therefore, I think communication was really more the issue that they needed to talk to their kids and help them to grow up so that they could understand what was good idea to 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 be doing and not a good idea to be doing more than controlling, because sometimes kids take the control as a challenge. And someday those kids are going to grow up and they're going to go out into the world and they're going to need to know how to deal with the temptation of being on a screen all the time. You And now is the time to teach them. 
Uh, and this it's a struggle. I mean, we struggle with it in my house. We have plenty of screens. I'm a tech guy. I love technology, and you know, I, I and I know more about this than most, I guess. But uh, this is it's still a struggle for us. I mean, I've we've had to, you know, deal with kids who sneaking YouTube videos, and so we, try, you know, YouTube videos are for, for forbidden for the the younger kids. They're just there's too much on YouTube for them to get into, and he was sneaking you know, watching YouTube videos when he knew he wasn't supposed to and downloading games. And, you know, there's, we have very strict limits on the amount of screen time they can have. Um, We allow it, but they, there's limits and he was going beyond it and he felt guilty. He was feeling so terrible because he was addicted to the games. And it's like, yeah, but this is the problem. This is what we're trying to help you with. This is not a, I'm not, it's not about we want to deny you something good. We we just want to help you so that you, you don't feel bad like this. You Doesn't it feel icky? He's like, yeah, I do, you know? And so this was, a you know, it, it, it became a thing we could do together. We can help each other with, as opposed to I'm the, I'm the cop and you're the criminal situation. Yep. And I think that's the key. Well, and it's, it's, yeah. I mean, as you're talking, you're, you're helping him learn the virtue of temperance. Yes. And, you know, and, and which is which is great, you know, and that if you just have <laughs> no, you can't do this, period. Yeah, you're never going to actually learn the virtue that you should to grow and to, to be a better person. But you're just going to end up rebelling later down in life and, you know, go all crazy. Um, and the other thing that I was thinking about is like <laughs> things don't change and then things change all the time. I, I grew up without I mean, I didn't grow up with this kind of stuff, but I grew up with Game Boys. <laughs> I remember we, my brother got caught with his Game Boy after he was grounded and playing it in bed and, um, you know, um, and then like even me, I, I did the Game Boy too, but I, I would sit and read with a book till, you know, dark 30 in the morning and that, that wasn't was very helpful either. <laughs> that, was me. that was me. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so, it's always you know, been something. Yeah. yeah. Things, things stay the same and change. Right. But, Just the technology has changed. I, I did want to add, like, I had a great conversation last night with my daughters as I was driving them back from Scouts last night. And we were talking about, um, like, with the teens, um, not spending so much time. Like, one has an iPad, the other one has a Chromebook, and they use it to communicate with other. They have a homeschool connections um, forum, sort of like social media, but just for the kids who are involved in this homeschool uh, organization that they take classes through uh, online. And it's great. I love it. I love that they have this and they've met so many friends this way, but we're trying to help them put a limit on this. And so we've we've told them, like, you know, we need you to when it's after after dinner and after prayers, you need to put your computers out here and plug them in and that sort of thing. So you're not doing it uh, afterwards. It hasn't been a huge problem, but we're just trying to implement some. And then you can't get it back until after you get your schoolwork done tomorrow. And. Uh, we talked about that. I was talking about to them about it in relation to discipline and the appetites and how if you control, if you if you start to control some appetites and impose discipline in one area, it leads to discipline in other areas, which you're struggling with as well. Spiritual discipline, mental discipline, physical discipline. I talked about the, the connection between like, say, fasting from food and how that helps us spiritually, mentally and physically. And it was a great conversation because it was not adversarial. It was, this is how, this is just part of growing up and be, being human and, and, you know, not being all out of control with things. And teenagers, I think, I think a lot of teenagers understand the feeling of feeling out of control that in needing that 
some sort of rails to to guide them with things. And this is one of those ways. So, you know, parents, don't be afraid to talk to your kids and help them, you know, use technology in a healthy way. And and frankly, I think a lot of us parents don't do have these conversations because we're feeling guilty ourselves because we're not using it in a healthy way. And I'll, I, I point my finger at myself because I probably, you know, use my, keep my phone out and fiddling with it when I shouldn't at times. So um, just something to keep Not in, mind. in the middle of prayers, Tom. <laughs> no, no. Uh, during prayers, it's eye breviary. We're doing night prayer. No, no, I'm teasing. Uh, actually, during night prayer, I'm making, I sometimes make snide remarks, like based on the translations, like uh, there's one song where we talk about we're all in one accord. And I'm like, is it a Honda accord? Or, you know, or I do I'm my podcast. Up. My podcast voice when I do the prayers, they they all the kids say I have a podcasting voice. I don't understand. I don't see it. <laughs> You're listening to anyway, <laughs> liturgy of the hours, <laughs> liturgy of the hours with Tom Bethanelli. Anyway, uh, nobody wants that. So let's move on to our next headline where this goes really off the rails. Uh, the our last headline is uh, breaking news uh, of the last twenty four hours or so when we as we're recording this. Um, it's kind of tech related. The U.S. Senate passed a law that would make daylight savings time permanent. Yes. Yes. Let's stop switching the clocks, please. <laughs> For the love of all that's holy, can we stop switching the clocks? Uh, so in case, you, in case you are an hour late to everything this, uh, the last few days, we, we actually switched the clocks <laughs> last Saturday. And uh, for me, it was in the middle of a camping trip where, with scouts where I'm already not getting oh, enough sleep. No. So it was, I was really tired on Sunday uh, later mm, that day. Oof. But um, yeah, it's the Sunshine Protection Act co-sponsored by... Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island and Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. It would make daylight savings time permanent as of November 2023. Um, I'm not sure what it would mean for states where they're on permanent uh, daylight uh, or standard time. Yeah. Uh, Whether Arizona and Hawaii and parts of Indiana, I think it is, uh, would would want to switch to daylight savings time and just stick with the rest of us <laughs> the rest of the time because that would be really awkward if they're permanently off um but what do y'all think of this is it is it a good idea should we all stay on permanent daylight savings time what do you think I've i just want to stand one time yeah, I, was <laughs> I, don't, say, I don't care which to me, one i don't care but i have had heard some arguments for making it instead of daylight savings to make it regular you know time standard time and, and put that as the the standard for everybody the other thing i'm hearing a lot of because i i know a lot of people in other countries is that if the u.s does this this could be a stressor for some of the you know communication that now they you know they know exactly what the times are between the different places and now this adds a another layer of of uh problems to deal with right because other like europe switches and they switch to, to what they call summertime but again it's it's already three weeks off which messes with me because our our website server for supn is is based in Amsterdam. That's because that's where SQPN's founder was and that sort of thing. And so I'm, I have to post in Amsterdam time. And so for three weeks in the spring and the summer and the fall, I have to do the mental calculation of, wait, we're an hour off. I got to make sure I post this at the right time, that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, that would, that would make us off like for all, for it would, instead of being five hours off of, uh, you know, Britain on the East coast, we'd be four, 
four hours off part of the year and five hours off the other part of the year instead of, you know, what we have now. So there's that. The other objection you mentioned was like about the uh, getting up at uh, kids would be going to the bus stop for three months, going to the bus stop in, in the, the dark. dark. It would sunrise wouldn't be till after eight. And I'm thinking people in like Maine and Minnesota and Michigan, they already do this. Like Canada gets, it does this fine. That's yeah, it's adjustment as opposed to something yeah. that's a, a critical problem. Yeah. Right. Or the, I mean, the other thing that you could do, those school districts that are, that are concerned about that could, I don't know if it would go over well, they could start school at nine instead of eight. Right. Right. Well, and frankly, it would probably be better because as the studies have shown that uh, high schoolers need more sleep in the morning. They right. they actually, it's it's not yeah. just that they're lazy. They actually physiologically need more sleep in the morning and they're not getting it. And that's why they're not doing as well in school. Um, I, I want, like, I would prefer more light in the evening. I prefer daylight savings time. But at this point, I'll take, just pick one. <laughs> Just pick one and stick with it, and that's that's what that would be my preference. Um, I just I, I don't like the switching, especially when you have little kids. Like little kids do not know clocks, and so uh, I remember when my kids were babies and toddlers for a week or so before and after it was we were just a wreck. Like it was just a mess in the house because we as the parents we still have to get up with at the, what the clock says the time to get up. I got to go to work and that sort of stuff. And the kids are all messed up and dinner is too early or too late. And yeah, it's just a mess. So let's, let's stop. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things that if we do it or if we don't, there's always going to be complications, you know, regardless. So let's, let's just do it. And then, yeah, not have to, well, and even there's, there's the studies of, of the time change that, you know, causes, causes an uptick, problems, uptick causes of, accidents, of yeah. accidents and yeah. And um, all of that sort of stuff. And yeah, ultimately, I don't care which one time zone, time you stick with. Just stick with it. I'm, <laughs> right. This this um, week has been challenging for me. Just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always like day two after after the change. Like so yesterday it was just or Monday was just yeah. like oh, uh, just a wreck. Fog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I <laughs> right. had jury duty on Monday and it was like, I don't <laughs> want to be here. I'm tired. I'm double tired from scout camping and the time change. Um, what are the myths, by the way, about the time changes it's like we do it because it saves energy and the fact is this multiple studies have shown it doesn't actually save any money but you know it's the old the what was it the old uh native american saying only you know only men from washington would think you could cut a foot off the bottom of a blanket and sew it to the top and think you have a longer blanket you know that sort of thing <laughs> um or however it goes but that's something like that all right uh so uh, the the base of the bill now goes to the House where it's it's actually expected to pass. We'll see whether the, the president signs it. All right. Uh, that does it for our headlines this week. Well, let's move right on to our picks of the week. And Father Andrew, you are up first. What is your pick this week? My pick of the week has absolutely nothing to do with what we talked about. It is all about <laughs> uh, audio. Um, my pick of the week is a Bose TV soundbar. So this is um, a soundbar that you can use for your TV. I actually have one of these hooked up to my to my iMac. And so it, it works really well for either one. Um, it's Bose, so the sound quality is superb. And it's a sound bar, so it's it's not a surround sound system, so it's on the on the cheaper side if you're looking at Bose and and their quality. So this particular soundbar is $280. It's about 2 feet wide and it it I mean it works impressively. You can hook it up to your to your TV with all the the signal inputs there, the audio inputs or it's got a auxiliary earphone in and that's how I use it for my iMac. 
and uh, it works. It works really well. So neat. Cool. Like it. I like it. That would be really useful for me because I've got like I got my like my TV here. I've got my Mac here, and I've got like a home theater, like a an old AV receiver here. And it's all kind of janky. I get like a million speakers all over the place. <laughs> it would be nice to have one thing for all for both of those. That would be really nice. That's a great idea. Excellent, Pat. What is your pick this week? Well, I had not done any of the uh, quest type related uh, games before, but I have seen some other people post things about other games. So I uh, here I am. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> the game that I have really, or the app that I have really enjoyed the most over this last year and a half or two has been mini golf and walkabout mini golf. It can be played by yourself. It can be played quick, a quick match with somebody that you don't know. It can be played as a group where you've got up to five people in a group of people that you know. It can also be played with, with people through Discord where you get different people that pop on and want a game. You can play it in practice mode uh, so that it doesn't count. You just get to hit something over and over again until you get it right. And it has been so much fun. I've gotten together with people from all over the world and all over the, the country. And it's it's a great way to have a channel to socialize and play something that's a skilled game and get better at it, etc. But it has been a hoot. And so it's cross-platform in a sense that if you had an Oculus Rift or you played Steam, then you could play this as well. On those platforms, it's not just Quest, and it's cross-buy with the, the Steam games so that you could buy it one place and play at the other and cross-play, I believe, between mm-hmm. the, the two as well. I think that's and what it's it just says. been great. So to be clear, it's a VR game uh, that you can play on the Meta. It used to be Oculus Quest, Meta Rift, Steam VR, and... Uh, and and yeah, it says on their website that you can. It's full crossplay between all platforms, so uh, you don't you don't have to have both people that you're playing that are playing be on the same like Quest or Rift. Um, so yeah, it's fun. I've played it uh, a little bit myself, and it is fun um, just to kind of if you you get the feel that you're at uh, you know a little mini miniature golf place. Um, I can't wait to get uh, my kids on with their grandma. To, I would to really like that. <laughs> um, it would be fun. They are releasing new games or new courses every month right now. Oh, now wow. the the add on courses are like two dollars and ninety nine cents, and they are cheap, but they're so clever. There's one that's set, you know, in in a Don Quixote in the windmills type uh, environment. There's another one that's uh, kind of like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. It's a Sweetopia, and uh, you know they've got all sorts of different things that they're going to be releasing. In fact, they're coming out with one that's based upon the movie uh, Labyrinth. Ooh. And that's cool. going to be cool. They're working with with uh, people to to bring that into there. Awesome. And they, the it's all original music. It's just you know. In fact, they actually released the soundtrack of the music recently. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> that's fun. Awesome. That's a good pick. Is the in the does the game itself have a cost? Uh... Uh, yeah, I think it it may be. I'm trying to remember if it's twenty nine or nineteen ninety nine, but everybody that I have played has says it's so worth it for the amount of playtime that you get on that, and it's just it's just really great. I've 
I'm a part of a couple of messenger groups that basically through the day and early evening, somebody will pop on and say, hey, I'm I'm available. Anybody want to play? And all of a sudden you'll have four people or five people show up and play together and just have a hoot, you know, and, and uh, you get to know people and, and uh, concerns like, you know, it's really, really very cool. So it's uh, $14.99 right now. Thank so you. I, I couldn't cheap. remember. You can get it as part of the something called the Quest Starter Kit as well, or Starter Pack, where you get a bundle of, if you're brand new to the Quest, you get four like games or four apps all together in a bundle for a pretty good price too. So that's that's nice. Excellent. So I have a pick. Uh, my pick is an app called Just Watch for iOS. And what what it is, it's another one of these apps that addresses the the modern problem of the streaming problem, which is I want to watch something. I have no idea where I can watch it. <laughs> like what service I have all these services. I have all these options. Where should I watch this thing? I, you know, this title. And so just watch is another one of those apps that helps you try to figure that out. And it gives it, you, you open up the app, you look at the, um, uh, you, you could search for a particular, you know, title, whether it's a movie or a TV show, or you can tell it things that you've watched before and it can recommend stuff to you if you're looking for something new. Uh, and then it will tell you where this is available. You can buy like seasons on Apple TV. You can watch it streaming on these services uh, in so on and so forth. And you can tell it, these are the services I have. Like I have Disney plus I have Hulu, I have Netflix and, and then it will specifically tell you if these things, if the shows are on those. Um, I, I'm not sure how accurate it is uh, because I've been watching Longmire on Netflix and it says not Longmire is not available streaming, which hopefully it didn't just disappear. <laughs> this is the last time <laughs> I was watching it. Cause I'm in the middle of season two. Uh, so, but we'll see. Um, and then there's a uh, they have a it's free the app they have a pre- a premium version which is ad free and gives you some other filtering options for two forty nine a month which seems a lot to me I don't think you need it I wouldn't use it uh, myself but you know you could try it out and see what you think um, but uh, so it's a useful way to keep track and then you can you know create a list a watch list of the, the of the shows and movies that you watch and keep up with where you know when they're streaming and where they're streaming and when a new episode is out and that sort of thing so kind of a useful sort of modern problem we talked about an, a website recently the streamables i think it was called that was someone's pick of the week and this is an app that that does that and uh there's another app i'm going to have as a future pick that does something similar slightly differently that that i also like well, and it's funny because two weeks ago I set it up on my my phone and I found that my Samsung TV also I can add it to there and then it actually, you know, knows what you've watched based upon that. Otherwise, you you have to say, well, yeah, I finished watching this or I finished watching that. And it can uh, it can then yeah let you know when a new episode has been released. We accidentally got into two different things this week that were only partially released. They didn't dump them all online. It's like my husband said, oh, wait a minute. You mean I've got to wait for the next episode? <laughs> yes. Wow, what a world. We have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they have an Apple TV app as well. And one of the nice things is you can, if you are, uh, if you find it on the, like on the phone app and you say, I want to watch this now, you can tell it to start playing it on the Apple TV. It will send a signal and that will communicate with the at, like say the BritBox app or the Netflix app on your Apple TV 
or your Roku or your smart TV and or your Google Cast. It can do that as well. Uh, and it will start it playing there. So you can start the, the movie or show playing from the app on your phone. That's the promise. I haven't done it myself, uh, but that's the promise of the of the app. So. We did run into a limitation on on it that where I could say I wanted to watch something on Netflix and it would it would call Netflix up, but you had to get the selection yourself. In other words, it was it would not go th- all the way through to the actual episode. Yeah, Netflix itself. There's, they Netflix and Apple things. have. Yeah, they have a. They're not quite working to fully together um on things and so yeah that that that's they need to get their act together yeah 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 all right so those are our picks and uh that will do it for us this time uh we would love to hear from you what you think of anything we've talked about you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the sqpn facebook page at facebook.com slash starquest media or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And of course, we'll have links to everything we talked about, including our picks of the week, in our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like the each episode of Secrets of Tech on Facebook or on Twitter, where we're at sqpn, and leave us comments in those places. We love to hear from you and love to get your feedback. Until next time, Father Andrew Kinstetter, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Absolutely. Pat Scott, thank you as well. It's been fun. Adios. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Quest.